and welcome to another edition of the Mobile Sports Report podcast. I'm Paul Kapuska, editor of Mobile Sports Report and your host today. Joining me in the studio, the virtual studio if you will, are Jess Cook and Art King from uh, Corning. Thanks for joining us today. Glad to be here. Jess and Art, if you could just uh, in that order, just uh, give us a quick description of uh, who you are, what you do at, at Corning, and then we can dive right into this uh, CBRS topic that we're also very interested in. Awesome. So I'm Jess Cook. I have been with Corning about four and a half years, and uh, for the last two and a half, I've spent um, focused on the sports and entertainment vertical, as well as other large public venues like airports and convention centers. Um, I've also got a, a strategic focus on both CBRS and private LTE from a business development standpoint. Um, that pretty much wraps up what I do. Great. Art? Um, uh, Art, Art Kane with Corning. I'm on the, um, the, the marketing and the kind of the uh, business side to really help help people understand what we're making and how it's being used and, uh, you know, the best places to use it. I've been with Corning for 1.5 years arrived at Corning via the SpiderCloud wireless acquisition, and uh, before that, ran global architecture and uh, IT operations for a multinational. Great. Um, I think we'll talk a little bit more about the SpiderCloud uh, business as we go along here. Our, our topic today it revolves around um, some new spectrum that has become available, and I think is of great importance or great interest anyway, uh, potentially, to the venue and large large public venue and stadium space. Namely, that topic is CBRS, which, let me see if I can get this right, Citizens Broadband Radio Service. Um, I know the uh, groups behind it are trying to rebrand this as ONGO, which would be much easier to pronounce, but for right now, I think people still know it best as CBRS. Um, Jess and Art, maybe if you could just start out by telling us, you know, what... How does uh, Corning come to play in the CBRS business? What, you know, what products, services um, are, do you have that are invested in and around this new spectrum? Well, Paul, before we delve into product, um, I think it's important to level set everyone on what the heck CBRS is. Perfect. So I'll kind of, I'll, I'll start there. So CBRS is a, a use of, um, of uh, Spectrum that allows people who don't uh, own Spectrum or who have bought it from the government to actually deploy uh, an, an LTE system. So in the past, if you were going to deploy uh, a cellular type of system, you, you ended up buying Spectrum from a government and built a phone company and that type of thing. And, um, you know, in, in private industry, there's been numerous uh, people with use cases and, uh, and, and uh, wireless demands that required the, the kind of the performance and the characteristics of LTE, but there, there was really no way for them to get a service um, except to buy it more as a kind of a consumer service from, from the service provider world. So uh, CBRS brings uh, LTE to the table for enterprises that need it and operations that need it. Um, uh, and, and the spectrum comes along with the service. The infrastructure itself, when it comes up, it actually requests spectrum from a cloud service in the sky. So it's um, it's a unique and very different approach 
it's designed to cater to people with uh, you know, small geographic areas where they where they have a need uh, in a localized area for um, for for an LTE LTE type of service. And um, from the product side, Corning makes a very nice uh, indoor CBRS platform that's uh, you know that's it's based on our proven platform that's in service um, you know at at various uh, global service providers around the world. But it's it's targeted at at this market of the enterprises who would like to uh, uh, self-enable or potentially uh, be be buying uh, like a managed service either from a traditional carrier or from a uh, third-party operator of some kind. To me, it's really interesting because it strikes me that this is not just Spectrum, but it's Spectrum that is LTE ready. Um, maybe um, Art, you and Jess could talk a little bit more here about what what are the potential use cases for this in a stadium or large public venue uh, scenario. I, I know that th- there's a lot of talk about you know private LTE for enterprises, but specifically, it seems like this is just sort of a, a perfect answer for a lot of pressing needs in the stadium and large public venue space? A great question. So, Paul, what I've seen on my end, and, you know, our, I, I've got my team of people that can get more technical into the technology, but from a practical application standpoint, as folks from various leagues approach me, it might be teams or venues themselves. Just like 5G, CBRS seems to be a big buzzword that everybody says, you know, I need this, but they're not quite educated enough to understand what they can actually do with it and what it means to their venue, what it means to their back-of-house operations, and what it potentially means to their fans. So, you know, what I always like to talk to them about is, you know, what kind of applications will this affect in your venue? And most of the time we go to, instead of the fan engagement side of the house, which is Traditionally, what we go for for DAS and connectivity, right, is let's talk about those back-of-house operations that we can take off of the DAS and also the Wi-Fi network to help them run more efficiently. And some of those applications might be the security cameras. It might be um, POS, so as fans go up to the various carts and kiosks to get their beer or hot dogs, you're not bogging down the POS system and you're actually running it over a very secure network as opposed to a Wi-Fi network that might be used also by um, fans and guests coming into that venue. Jess, if I could interrupt, can we drill down a little bit on that on the security side of things? Because I think that is um, one thing that's maybe not as clearly understood um, when we just start talking about Spectrum. What, what does the LTE part of this um, inherently bring to... Uh, a secure connection. I believe that's something I'm going to have to ask Art to answer. No problem. So what LTE brings to the table is security that's designed in from the ground up. The service providers themselves are heavily secured from a regulatory perspective. So they invest a lot into um, both making making their platforms um, so that they can't be hacked, and they also invest a huge amount in data privacy. And when you look at the commercial business, when you start getting into point of sale and you're you're running under the retail PCI rules, the essentially what the payment card industry rules for credit card security, a lot of the things that you have to layer on in other technologies to to achieve the, the level of security that would be required by retail PCI, it's inherent in the cellular infrastructure. So it really it allows you to bring up a highly secured connection 
without having any IT mistakes, which might accidentally leave something exposed because you didn't set something up correctly, it's kind of secured out the door. You know, any, any of the, the, the point of sale transactions like that, especially when you're in an area with uh, a huge amount of fans, if you're on Wi-Fi, the fans in line can get pretty upset when you've got a point of sale transaction going over the same spectrum as the fans are on. You end up with very slow clearing of credit cards and people in line getting you know pretty upset that that the line is moving slow. So the idea that a clean piece of spectrum allows um, credit card transactions to be rapidly processed because you're alone on a separate network has a lot of you know business value from from the perspective of you know the satisfaction of people in line and running people through lines faster when you're at breaks between quarters, periods, that type of thing. Yeah, Jess, it just seems like that, that's the kind of attribute that really makes this spectrum and, and CBRS attractive to things like you were talking about, point of sale, uh, security cameras, and, and other, I'm guessing, other back-of-house applications too, right? I mean, a lot of these are very inherent or inherently need security. Absolutely. And I think it's, it's helping these building owners understand that, that it's it's truly not about the guest experience, which is, I think, where everybody's head has been, you know, around Wi-Fi and DAS in the past. It's getting to what are those applications that are critical to our operations that we can actually securely lock down and manage. That's great. Um, I'd like to, if we could talk a little bit just about maybe the uh, technological attributes of CBRS in terms of how much bandwidth are we talking about here what kind of things are going to be enabled? I mean, it, from what I understand, it's basically like having a free open highway all to yourself um, you know, with pretty big chunks of spectrum that allow just really fast use. So uh, security cameras, transactions, those kind of things. Maybe, Art, can you speak to some of this? Well, the bandwidth itself, the overall uh, amount of bandwidth set aside for CBRS is 150 megahertz. And when you request channels, you generally request uh, either 10 megahertz or a, a pair of tens to get you 20 megahertz. When you talk about innovation, in some ways it's going to be sky's the limit as far as people with imagination that want to change things. So look at people wandering around with two-way walkie-talkie. Wouldn't it be nice Instead of a very limited narrowband voice channel, that everyone had a, uh, a smartphone on a closed network. When you're having operations issues, you can take a picture of something that's broken, of a situation, and get the picture to the to the upstream person and say, "I've got a problem here. We need to dispatch someone to deal with it." Whether it be security because of an unruly fan and you've captured the fan's picture, or whether it be a broken pipe, an overflowing toilet, whatever. Putting LTE out there allows you to put the innovation platform out there, which happens to be the iOS or the Android phone. You start unleashing the, the business people with uh, low-cost software developers and low-cost applications that can plug into any of the mobile devices that's deployed across the stadium, uh, you know, whatever, you have a place to start at that has vast room for innovation and actually transforming business operations. That's really interesting. I really like the push to talk example because I know that, you know, just being able to send a picture like that, I mean, a picture does tell a thousand words and be able to do that in a secure fashion, as you said, over a closed network. 
just seems to, something to have tremendous appeal. So let me interrupt you there, especially yeah. if you're starting to think about the idea of dispatching a third party maintenance worker, a commercial plumber to work on something, the pictures allow them to arrive on site with all the right tools and parts instead of arriving to assess the problem and then call in the right tools and oh, parts. Yeah. So your cycle time to resolve issues across the continuum is dramatically reduced. Yeah, I, I can totally see that. What One of the things that I've had questions about as I research and write about the CBRS opportunity is it strikes me that in going for venues and, and stadiums and teams going out to look into this, it's going to be much more critical to pick a correct partner to help you with this because there are there are certain parts of the CBRS equation that frankly I, I don't see stadium or venue IT teams getting into the weeds and I'm talking here about the you know the systems that navigate the spectrum sharing and the clearinghouse and, and that that sort of stuff. Do both of you foresee that as CBRS being a much more partner intensive relationship and picking the right partner is going to be a key to success? Absolutely. So what I see there is, I mean, it, it is going to be similar to the whole distributed antenna system ecosystem, right? Where you have your manufacturers, you've got integrators, you know, you've got your carriers involved with DAS, but with CBRS, there might be a carrier involvement. If you talk about aggregation, there might not, but at the same time, you've got components like the EPC, Corning doesn't make that, right? We make the equipment. We make the, the radio nodes and we make the services node. But there's also other components. Like I said, the EPC, there's also the SaaS setup, which there's different players in that. I'd say probably about five to six of them now, and it's growing. So I think it is very important to have the right partner picked in that ecosystem that can put it all together. That's great. And it also strikes me that CBRS offers a sort of unique opportunity of, of not quite try before you buy, but it's it's something you can start out slow and, and gradually grow into. Is that a correct assumption? Absolutely. So right now I have a partner in the ecosystem that's looking to set up a trial network for a construction site. And basically they've identified three various applications, one of them being push to talk, one of them being Wi-Fi, and then they had a third one for their tablets. But basically, they need to be able to deploy quickly and to set up. You know, it's not a full-blown deployment. It's one services node and three radio nodes to see how it works before they expand it out to the larger acreage that they're actually building on, which could be true of office buildings and stadiums and whatever else to be able to pick a small portion of the venue to see how it works. It might be a parking garage and then to deploy further. Right, and and I had uh, actually along those lines, I had a, a question, I guess that dips back into the technology part of it, but some people have compared the ease of deployment of the actual equipment to a Wi-Fi network, but there are, are other attributes that make CBRS even more compelling for venue situations, and one is the higher power in the radios, um, which gives you a little bit more distance. Art, can you? Talk a little bit about the, the capabilities of, of just the actual network itself and, and the wireless reach. Yeah, there's two classes of uh, radios available. There's a low power class and a higher power class. 
you know, we build a low power class, which is uh, one watt maximum. And then there's a 50 watt version available that people are using for uh, outdoor types of services. And uh, there's a number of vendors that are building those. So it's, um, you have a mix of both available. So in the, in the point of sale discussion, let's say that um, you're a line buster taking money at the admission to, you know, stadium parking. You know, you have the ability to, um, you know, extend the network out there, run point of sale, and then, uh, you know, pull it down and move all the kiosks and everything, uh, you know, in after the game starts and everyone's parked. So you'd need a 50-watt radio outdoors to, you know, reach that function, you know, that far out away from the structure. That's great. I mean, it strikes me that there's places where it might be cost prohibitive to bring, say, Wi-Fi radios out to every part of the parking lot and the farther reach of CBRS can maybe solve some of those issues that venues are having right now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, CBRS is a complementary technology to Wi-Fi. They're both halves of the equation to, you know, solve an overall wireless problem for people. Great. Um, we still have some time left here, and if we could, I'd like to look into the, the future a little bit farther. Um, I, I know a lot of the initial deployments are, are focused on uh, private LTE and, and discrete applications, but Jessen Art, I'm, I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit more about what you see for the future capabilities of CBRS and in terms of almost becoming what I call a super DAS or, you know, being able to get carriers on board and have people use CBRS for the last mile or the last hundred feet to the seats uh, instead of, um, or in, in, I guess, in partnership with current DAS architectures. Yeah, the things that you can lift off of a cellular that are being congested in the stadium and a slow line is just a brush of a problem for a fan experience as a slow phone in the seat. And, um, you know, to, to, pull, to pull it off of a, of a public service and, and or unload Wi-Fi so that the, the operations um, aren't, essentially the stadium operations aren't being crushed by, you know, all the fans uploading and downloading, you know, off of the, uh, you know, the Internet services. Jess, are there any other future type applications that you're hearing or that um, venue people and stadium people are looking for? I'm thinking about things that I've heard about, maybe like, you know, um, being able to assist replay or, or have, you know, much lower latency uh, camera work inside the stadium. What, what do you see in your crystal ball? You know, my crystal ball is, you know, is, is more talking about the complementary networks that are going to be happening and truly defining what's going to ride over which. And, you know, right now you see um, the mobile operators out there talking about how many venues they have 5G in. Well, let's, let's look at those applications that can run over 5G. And we're more looking at, I think the future is broadcast right? Being able to put those types of applications over it, you know, for the private LTE CBRS side of things, like Art said, it's pulling things that are, you know, on a shared network today off of there so the other networks aren't bogged down. So whether it be Verizon's LTE network and pulling parking transactions off of that and putting it onto private LTE so fans can get into the parking lot and into the venues a lot quicker, actually having those separate networks to make things more efficient. That's great. One other usage that, uh, that 
Jess and I had been talking about is the evolution of the service experience in the skybox and the places where you have ultra high value customers. Maybe Jess can expand on that a little bit more, but you've got these high value customers that have bought a skybox and what could you do if the people that are taking care of the business there had more intelligent endpoint and a better, quieter network where they could really take care of the people a little bit better. And Jess, do you want to expand on that at all? Right. Just to be able to service those people as they see the need. So whether it, you know, they have their tablets for placing orders to bring in beer, wine, and cocktails, but maybe there's a service issue in private bathroom that needs to be attended to quicker. Utilizing that, it might be a tablet as they're doing their POS ordering for these suites, but also to call that service in quicker without having to pick up a phone, make a phone call, or wait for somebody on a two-way radio. But to have that built in to their venue operations to to be able to get somebody there quicker. It might also be asset tracking of things that are meant to be in these suites. And we didn't even talk about asset tracking today. You know, asset tracking, you know, it, it might be these these roller carts that carry the beer, but there's things that are important to stadium operations that do need to be tracked. And asset tracking is a great application to put on CBRS. Yeah, it, it strikes me that this may be one of those things where we don't know what's possible until we start installing the networks and and letting people play around with them. And as Art said, to innovate. I mean, I just, the premium network for premium seating sounds like a, a great sales point as you're going in for that premium suite pitch. I, I would like to ask this, what can or what should venue and teams and other people, venue IT teams, what should they be looking at if they want to find out more about how to get started at CBRS? What should be their first steps? I believe their first step should be, one, understanding at least a primary and secondary application that they run want to run over it so they can have that intelligent conversation. But just as important, it's identifying the partner that can get through the sales minutia, right, to get through the, okay, we have a challenge here. And this is how we're going to solve it. Because like I talked about earlier, there's so many different moving pieces. And although it's going to be easier than installing a DAS because you don't have that carrier component of having to do like a retransmission agreement or have somebody approve a design, it will be easier that way and faster. They still need to find the partner that can pull it all together. Is it going to be Corning Equipment or our competitor? Is it going to be a company like Athenet for the EPC? Is it going to be, you know, I mean, there's so many different players and then you look at the SaaS vendors and it's to be able to pull it all together to ensure it works for that venue is very important. So that integrator partner that understands every part of the ecosystem is very important because as a manufacturer, we have this information, but obviously we're going to be a little biased towards our own products. But I think they need to have somebody out there in the ecosystem that understands all the options that are available, as well as understands the various use cases and where there has been success in the past. That's great advice. And if you're listening to this podcast, we will have uh, links on the website and on the blog post that can point you to the various resources that Corning is providing us and that Mobile Sports Report has as well. So that can be a starting point for you as well. I'd like to kind of wrap up here, Jess and Art. What what have I missed? What have we not talked about? Is there something pressing you still want to educate the audience on before we take our leave here? 
Yes. From an operations perspective, cellular LTE is wildly different than Wi-Fi. I come from an IT world and Wi-Fi before I entered the cellular universe, and it's a completely different place. So engaging with a, a managed service partner or a partner that is clear on the language and has all the processes down and can support you long term is so critical to you know success. Most IT organizations probably shouldn't take on you know cellular operations, but should have a you know a great partner, a partner that will send a tech to make sure that things are okay on game day. People that will just take care of business and give them the service they need kind of day in and day out. Again, cellular is very different from Wi-Fi and taking it on within an IT organization is, um, I personally wouldn't recommend it. That's great advice. All right. I think that wraps it up for our call today. I'd like to thank Jess Cook and Art King from Corning for joining us on the MSR podcast today. Uh, thanks both of you. Again, if, if you have any other questions, uh, feel free to email us here. My email is caps at mobilesportsreport.com. Thanks again for listening to the Mobile Sports Report podcast.